You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. You're listening to episode 444, and I'm your co-host, Brittany Martin. And I'm your co-host, Brian Mariani. Kevin Sue ditched college to pursue the venture-backed startup dream, but found his calling running a small, bootstrapped, and profitable SaaS business. His goal is to help aspiring technical leaders see the huge untapped potential in software small business, and he believes Rails is a perfect launching pad for realizing that potential. It is so great to have you on the show today, Kevin. Thank you so much, Brittany. This is actually my first podcast, so I appreciate you taking a chance on me. Absolutely. I'm sure it's going to be a great episode. So, Kevin, we all want to know, what is your developer origin story? It started in college. I quickly realized college wasn't for me. My grades plummeted to where I was failing out of classes by my third semester. At the time, I saw college as a narrow path with this clearly defined end state of working at a boring corporate job for the rest of my life. In retrospect, it was a bit overdramatic, but I was definitely depressed about it and looking for an escape. Something I did gravitate towards was playing online poker. What I really wanted, I think, was to have a very fast and direct connection between my skill and my outcomes. And with poker, you can, in theory, make a lot of money in a very short amount of time if you had enough skill. Eventually, the friend that introduced me to poker went off to a startup accelerator in Rhode Island. I didn't know what an accelerator was at the time, but I was really surprised to learn that someone was willing to give you money just for having a cool idea. And I thought to myself, wow, I want to have that kind of adventure too. Digging deeper, I found out what enabled my friend to go to Rhode Island on that adventure, aside from courage, was the fact that he teamed up with someone who was skilled at this thing called Ruby on Rails. Really wanting that adventure for myself and realizing I wasn't made for the grind of poker. I like to build. I dropped out of school and started teaching myself Ruby on Rails. At the time, my grades were so bad that they would never let me switch to computer science. And Rails 3 had just released. I was freelancing to pay the bills and I was just wanting to build stuff. Airbnb was really cool at the time. So I built a home-baked goods marketplace looking to Airbnb for that marketplace inspiration. And to build traction for that, I built a baked goods calculator for calculating pricing. A lot of home bakers aren't really great at pricing their goods. I built an invoice creator for them. The irony is that I'm building a bunch of stuff that doesn't really make money. I saw the potential in software and Rails. I felt free and I was hooked. Rails gave me that escape hatch from college. So before we get into ClearScope, I have to ask you, Kevin, are you really good at poker then? Online poker is kind of a different beast. You have all these windows open at once, and it's really about how many windows can you multitask in all at once. So am I good in a live game? Probably not, but I can have a bunch of windows open and kind of be clicking really fast. I love that. (laughs) So we did bring you onto the show to talk about ClearScope. So where did the idea come from behind ClearScope? Yeah, friend who went to Rhode Island for that accelerator, he's actually my co-founder at ClearScope. So after his startup folded, he went to San Francisco to work at a YC-backed startup called 42 Floors. And still inspired by Airbnb, Dropbox, GitHub, and all the other cool YC-backed startups back then, I actually convinced him to let me crash at his place in SF. I actually stayed in his kitchen. Luckily, he didn't cook at all. So I just wanted to be part of the action there. Eventually, I somehow convinced Bernard to quit his well-paying YC-backed startup role to start a business with me. We were both 
earned by building things that didn't make money in the past and also garner no VC interest. But at the time we started reading about Basecamp, we started reading Patrick McKenzie, who was Patio 11 on Hacker News, Rob Walling, the author of Start Small, Stay Small, who all preached charging money for your software, being profitable early on, not giving out discounts for your product. And this was during a time of VC euphoria and growth at all costs. So what we did was we started doing SEO consulting, which would pay the bills, the hefty San Francisco rent. And we noticed that writing for SEO was a pain point. Not a lot of writers were trained in SEO. A lot of them come from more traditional journalism backgrounds. Companies will hire freelancers that might not be experts on the topic that the company wants to write for. And the content and SEO managers didn't have a great way to predict whether an article they just paid $500 for would rank well on Google. And Google is by far the biggest source of referral traffic on the internet. I think I read a stat saying that they're 10 times bigger than the second referral source or something like that. So we saw all that during our SEO consulting days and combining that with the bootstrapping influences that we were reading at the time, we started ClearScope. That's so interesting to me. And I want to dig into the tech stack because the idea of something being AI powered in today's modern era, we know that there are some AI powered things out there, but I don't think the population truly understands what that means. So what is the tech stack and how can you say that the tech stack is AI powered? Our tech stack is pretty standard for Rails. We're on Rails Postgres. We have a Redis instance for Sidekick, a Redis instance for caching. And we're using Stimulus.js with TypeScript on the front end. So that means no client-side MVC. That's a decision that we made early on that I'll go into later. But we mostly adhere to Rails conventions. There are a few things that we change up. For instance, we use view component in place of the traditional Rails views. We really like the dry RB gems. We do a bit of type checking in certain places and we use them to build really strong service object patterns. So AI piece of it, this may not be surprised, but we don't actually do our own AI in that we don't hire machine learning engineers and data scientists. The AI component comes from the fact that we leverage the AI capabilities of Google, OpenAI, IBM, and a lot of these companies that have invested billions of dollars into their AI capabilities. So we simply purchase AI from them. How have those APIs been to work with? Because I mean, that's just such a wide variety. I've never integrated into IBM. So I'm curious how all that has gone. The APIs themselves are actually fine. They're pretty simple to understand. Integrating with IBM, there's more of the uh, user management and IAM concerns that can be painful to work with as such a small business. This episode is brought to you by Honey Badger. Did you know that HoneyBadger status pages now come with incident management? As an engineering manager on a team who recently implemented an incident management process, I was super excited to hear this. Build confidence with a public status page that shows your live service status and incident history. The ability to bring your own domain is key here. Transparency inspires trust. When your next outage happens, communication is going to be key. Alert your users of issues early and keep them updated as each incident unfolds with incident management. 
Plus, if you have scheduled maintenance, you can keep your users informed as your team works through the window. Head on over to honeybadger.io to learn more. So you kind of alluded to it about avoiding client-side MVC, but the next question has to be, Kevin, like how are you doing this with such a small team? So for reference, ClearScope is a moderately complex monolith. By the time we were generating $4 million in annual revenue, we had just two engineers, including me. But definitely one of the big things is that we're consistently questioning whether or not we have to have the things that we think we need to have. For instance, as I mentioned earlier, we don't need to roll our own machine learning or AI capabilities. Customers actually trust us more because we can point to these big brands like Google and say, hey, we're using their technology. We don't need React. Customers give us a lot of feedback and we hear that feedback every day, but no customer in the last six years has ever complained to us that we're not a single page application. We never migrated off Heroku. Maybe it's costing us a couple thousand dollars a month more than if we had moved everything to AWS earlier on. But what's a couple thousand a month when you're hitting product market fit? And that means growing revenue at a couple thousand dollars a month. And we didn't need tests. This might be controversial, uh, but we didn't actually write any tests before hitting product market fit. I think if I were to do it all over again, I might have started writing tests a bit earlier. We had great error reporting and we were in constant contact with our customers. And you'd be surprised if a customer runs into a bug, they reach out and you proactively fix it for them and communicate with them. They might actually like your product more than if they had never run into the bug. Oh, that's so interesting. So because it was a small company, they probably get to know you, which is definitely a benefit of a bootstrap company. And so you were basically using error reporting in some ways as also a customer reach out, because if you saw a specific customer was receiving a lot of errors, you would go ahead and fix the error. And then you would reach out to the customer as well, just letting them know that you would fix that error. That's exactly right. Through Sentry, our error reporting tool, we would record the emails of the users that ran into any errors and then reach out to them proactively to tell them that we've fixed whatever they just ran into. That's really cool. I really like that approach a lot because it can be very easy to onboard a customer and have them on your platform for years. And if things are just working just fine, you might never talk to them. And then when they eventually do churn, they're churning to someone that they've never spoken with. They don't have an emotional response to leaving that platform. So I really like the idea of getting two birds in one. You're getting that customer interaction. And hey, you're getting a bug solved at the same time too, which is pretty cool. So we talked about the AI APIs, which again, I think it's just really interesting. But you know, as an engineering manager, I'm particularly interested in when you decide to integrate with other platforms, because Kevin, I think you'll agree with me. Integrations are everything, but they make everything a lot more complicated. So would love if you could talk about an integration that you've done on ClearScope that you might be particularly proud of. Like all features that get suggested initially, our reaction is always, no, we're not going to build it. But eventually enough customers ask, and then we'll build it. Either because if we don't, we'll lose a competitive advantage, or our product is requiring too big of a workflow shift from what our customers are used to, to where we won't land them as a sale unless we implement. So we eventually made integrations for WordPress and Google Docs because most of our writers did their drafting in one of those platforms. 
So WordPress and Google Docs, they each wanted a different implementation. So WordPress wanted us to use React to build out the views. And Google Docs wanted to use their ERB-like templating language to build out the views over there. And that would have required us to learn two more ways of generating a view when we were already using a view component and ERB. But we eventually figured out that we could just send the same HTML from our Rails templates over the wire to both WordPress and Google Docs and just write some simple JavaScript to insert that HTML into their plugin sidebars, like how TurboLinks does page loads. So then we got two plugins for the price of one. And even for the views that are strictly inside of those plugins, we were able to use Ruby and new components to write all of those views. That is incredibly cool. Well, Paul, if you could insert some sort of audio, because if you can envision Brian and I are giving each other a high five, because Brian is now going to take over the hosting seat. (laughs) High five. High five. High five. All right, Kevin, thanks again for coming on. For the listeners out there, I thought it'd be helpful just to kind of quickly get you all up to speed. I've been helping Kevin do some recruiting for the past couple of months and was really taken by the whole story of ClearScope, you know, how it began and all the success you've had thus far with such a small team. So you've done a great job, obviously, getting everyone up to speed on the lay of the land at ClearScope. I thought it'd be also kind of interesting for everyone to hear a little bit more about your growth that obviously actively helping you with but just to get the word out there to everyone to hear a little bit more, and maybe we'll start with some of the roles that you're hiring for, if you can enlighten us on that. Yeah, so just a little bit of background. We've been two developers for the last six years or so, and I'm finding that we're working on too many different levels of abstraction. On the same day, I might be recruiting, planning features, reviewing PRs, styling buttons, and all in one day. So we're really finding this need that to take our product development to the next level, I need to focus and work on the right level of abstraction to move the company forward and not just be changing the color of a button. So we're mostly hiring for senior and lead engineers. Now, we're also looking for product people. We're not entirely sure what that looks like yet, but we're slowly figuring it out. And product marketing is something that we could really use a bit more of at ClearScope. It basically roles that can take off a layer of responsibility from my plate so that we can be a more effective team. Absolutely. And now that you've dove into the hiring a little bit more, how would you describe your approach towards hiring and what have you learned? So I found three points to be really important for us. Number one is to be polarizing. I hear this advice in dating a lot, and I think it tracks wonderfully to hiring. We want to attract candidates that are very specifically interested in what we have to offer and turn away candidates that could just vaguely be a fit or the right circumstances. And we want to do this as early in the funnel as possible. So we're not wasting time screening candidates that aren't sure whether they want to work at a six-person bootstrapped SaaS that doesn't do client-side MVC. On a practical level, that means we get specific in our job descriptions about how big we are, the fact that we're not interested in outside funding, our revenue and growth projections, and being clear about our commitment to our tech stack. The second point is to be transparent. This is related to being polarizing, but 
Beyond giving your candidates as much information as possible so that they can self-select, being transparent has been critical to setting ourselves apart from companies that have more red tape. So on any call with a candidate, I'm always happy to show revenue and growth numbers. We're always happy to list salary ranges in all of our job postings. At the beginning of my screenings, I always give candidates a quick demo of the inside of the application. And I'm always happy to explain how each part works. And I think companies with more complicated stakeholder structures might be limited by legal issues or NDA requirements that don't let them be as transparent. And the third point is to be selective. So big companies like Google and Microsoft, their strategy is to hire a hundred engineers and hope that 30 of them will be great. And that's a great outcome for them. And they have really solid infrastructure and processes so that the marginal cost of onboarding another employee is minimal. But for us, a lot of personalized time and effort goes into recruiting and onboarding. So we have to be confident. Whoever we hire will love working with us and be a productive part of the team. This episode is also brought to you by Scout APM. Scout is an industry leader in application performance monitoring. This low overhead tool is designed to help Ruby developers find and fix performance issues. Scout's intuitive UI and tracing logic ties bottlenecks to specific lines of code and allows you to quickly pinpoint and resolve issues like N plus one queries, slow database queries, memory bloat, and more. Scout's unlimited seats and applications allow teams to collaborate without additional costs and makes it easy for any member of your team to become a performance pro. See for yourself why developers worldwide call Scout their best friend with a free 14-day trial, no credit card needed. As a special offer for Ruby on Rails listeners, Scout will donate $5 to the open source project of your choice when you deploy. Learn more at scoutapm.com slash Ruby on Rails. You know, it's funny, as I've been reaching out to folks for you, in terms of kind of gauging their interest, it is remarkable how more than once, and I know some of these people are still in the process, more than once I had heard the initial reaction was, wow, like once they see what ClearScope does, they say, we should be using this at my current company. <laughs> you know, it's kind of eye-opening in that way. And immediately when I hear that, I'm like, okay, then you definitely might be a great fit. But your point about transparency, thanks for bringing that up. I talk about this a lot on the podcast and really is a key, key ingredient to making good hires. And just so you know, I mean, I, I know you and I have talked about this, but in some of the candidates that I know I've interviewed thus far, they remark about your transparency. And even for the ones that has not been the right fit, it's very clear why. And they understand it and they agree just as you do. And whether we quickly get to a no, it's not a fit or yes, it is, you know, that transparency is what helps you get there quickly. So certainly appreciate that you have that perspective and you think you're wise to continue that, of course. Another item that I know we talked about, well, we didn't discuss, I guess, as much as I'd like to and kind of hear your thoughts on it more, is you mentioned a recruiting coach, I think, when we first spoke. I'd love to hear more about your recruiting coach and how that's gone and what you've learned. Yeah, I've been working with Lumen Savits for the past few months and it's been absolutely great. She's helped us build confidence and narrative. Before working with him, I always felt like we were at a disadvantage when compared to the bigger companies who could offer full snack bars and massage credits. But he quickly showed us that as long as we're getting our authentic story out there, there are so many great engineers that want to work on a team like ours. And another thing that he's been really helpful with is to help us stay accountable. This is so basic, but 
a lot of good can come from paying someone to tell you to do something and then having them ask you week after week whether you've done it. I imagine that that's the foundation of the personal training industry as well. But I've only started working with coaches this year, but I'm a big fan of it and I'm looking forward to working with more. There's so much for me to learn. So if one of you out there is a product management coach, please reach out. Great, great. Now you touched on this a little bit, but is there anything unique ClearScope does in either hiring or the onboarding process? Yeah, I think I've covered a lot of how we approach hiring and we're small enough that onboarding is pretty much completely personalized for each team member. But one thing with hiring that has really helped us build conviction with the candidate, we found that when possible, contracting to hire has been a great way to help both parties understand how work happens on both sides. A lot of times in interviews, we'll spend a lot of time trying to get at the answer to how does your team work together, especially now that teams are of varying degrees of remoteness. And the answer is never straightforward. In an interview, we can use words like pull requests, chat, asynchronous, one-on-ones, development cycles, etc. We found that nothing quite builds conviction on both sides, like scoping out a project, working together for a few weeks. Yeah, and we saw that firsthand with the successful hire that we worked on together. So that was great. Okay, my next question is kind of a broader question about the Ruby on Rails community in general. Just sort of get your thoughts on the future of the Ruby community. To be honest, I haven't been very involved in the Ruby and Ruby on Rails communities in the past, but that's starting to change for me, starting with this podcast. But yeah, recently feels like open source development trends have been dominated by bigger corporations. I'm thinking about React and Facebook, TypeScript and Microsoft, Angular and Google. And I'm seeing that these corporations are catering to their own very complex needs with their open source projects. But to be honest, the less trendy the Ruby and Rails community gets, the more interested I am in engaging with the community because the community seems to be increasingly self-selecting into a culture that isn't as interested in chasing the latest trend or building a generic, highly employable resume, but of you know, highly productive teams building products with minimal overhead. Now, are you passionate enough about Ruby and Ruby on Rails that if you were to find a talented engineer, would you be willing to teach them the stack in order to bring a new person into the community and to be able to work on ClearScope? I would love to do that in the future. I think for our next couple of hires, I don't think we're positioned to do that with such a small team. But yeah, I think bringing on junior developers after we grow as a team would be great. Kevin, how can listeners follow you? I don't spend much time on social media, but maybe a couple more podcast appearances could change my mind. I think if listeners want to talk to me, they can email me at kevin at clearscope.io or they can find me on LinkedIn. Great. And I would add, if any listeners out there that are in contact with me or would be interested as well, by all means, whether it's Kevin or myself, there's always a way in to chat with Clearscope. So feel free to reach out. Kevin, well, thank you very much for coming on today. This has been terrific just to hear more firsthand about the success and history of ClearScope. We're certainly looking forward to hearing more about your future endeavors and the growth the company's going to experience and really appreciate all the insight. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been a blast. 
You've been listening to the Rupee on Rails podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded to stay in the loop on Ruby on Rails and open source software. While you're at it, please leave us a review. And thank you for listening.